Ready, set, go! This is the Checkpoint XP Podcast. Check out our international radio show and daily podcast at CheckpointXP.com. Here are your hosts, Nate Bender, Robbie Landis, Norris Howard, and Joe Sloan. Checkpoint Reach. Hey, welcome to the Checkpoint XP Podcast on B-Pod Studios, the place to be for podcast discovery. My name's Nate Bender, and I'm the only member hanging out with you today because we're going to check out the remaining three conversations from the Esports Business Summit. It was a big week for Checkpoint XP out at the Esports Business Summit. If you missed it, we've got everything over at our website, CheckpointXP.com. We've got everything. Every interview, we've got the Tempest Awards, which were on our channel this year, twitch.tv slash CheckpointXP, and we've got all sorts of coverage, so make sure you check it out, CheckpointXP.com. Before we start today's show, though, uh, I've got to read an Apple uh, podcast review, is what I would say if we had one which we don't. So, guys, what I need you to do is I need you to download Apple Podcasts, or if you have it already, just scroll up Checkpoint XP on Apple Podcasts and leave us a little bit of a review. It's really easy, right? All you got to do is listen to the show, have an opinion, which, let's face it, everyone does today, and then share that opinion with us through Apple Podcasts. It's pretty simple. Then, in return, I'll read them on the air here. And most of the time, we won't make fun of you. So, Apple Podcasts, look up Checkpoint XP, leave us a review. And if you haven't yet, leave us a review for The Daily Show, too, because we're starting to run out of fresh reviews over there as well. By the way, one more thing I want to mention is that we launched a brand new podcast, and and it's also a video show. Norris has been working so hard on Checkpoint XP on campus. What is Checkpoint XP on campus? It is the first talk show that is attempting to cover the collegiate esports scene in some form or fashion. There is really not a ton of coverage of collegiate esports, and it's such a growing scene, and it, it deserves its own coverage. So that's why we've started Checkpoint XP on campus and we hope that you'll take 30 minutes out of your day to go check it out you can check it out over at checkpointxp.com where you can subscribe to the podcast or you can catch it every single thursday right here at twitch.tv slash checkpoint xp at 10 p.m eastern and and yeah It's also available at Radio.com. All right, so let's get to today's podcast. Coming up today on the Checkpoint XP podcast, we've got three conversations from the Esports Business Summit that we just couldn't put anywhere else. So today, we're going to hear from Andy Meisner. He's the president of TV Pro Gear. Plus, we're going to check out a conversation that Joe and Norris had about Gears of War 5 Competitive. 
But we start today with a conversation with Michael Brooks. He is the executive director for the National Association of Collegiate Esports. And oh, by the way, joining Norris for this interview is Daniel, one of the hosts for Checkpoint XP on campus. An added reason for you to go check out that show. All right, let's check out Norris and Daniel's conversation with Michael Brooks, executive director for the National Association of College Esports, also known as NACE. This is Checkpoint XP, esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. Hello and welcome to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. Right now, I am alongside Daniel Agbuya, one of our co-hosts for Checkpoint XP on campus. And right now, we're going to be talking to Michael Brooks, Executive Director of NACE. Mike, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. First of all, NACE is an acronym. Can you let everybody know what NACE stands for and what you guys actually do? Nice catch. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, so NACE stands for the National Association of Collegiate Esports. Um, uh, to summarize that, we're basically the only membership association of colleges and universities at the varsity level. So these are schools that have scholarship programs, who have coaches, who have dedicated facilities for their students um, so that they can compete at the highest level. All right. So, you know, by having the sort of lack of structure involved with the collegiate scene that seems to be indicative of it right now, you guys are really trying to help bring a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of foundation to that scene. Has it proved difficult so far, considering that there's different levels of, you know, uh, that there's different levels of whether it be club or supported by, you know, faculty or the university? How or goes like, like, or some are like athletic groups exactly how difficult has it been to sort of get everybody under one umbrella well it's it's an uphill battle for sure um so part of the reason actually a large reason that our association even exists is to answer that question right who's building the norms of competitive esports um who's establishing the unifying policies of how schools interact with other schools how they interact with students and vice versa as well um in our association right now, uh, we're, we're very careful where there's common agreement is where we try to build on. Uh, but we know there's a lot of different areas uh, as you go from institution to institution where there are different viewpoints. So to your question earlier and what department, we speak to many different departments on campus every day whether that be the athletics department, uh, student affairs, student services, um, an academic department like the School of Engineering or Communications. We see all of those different departments, IT for sure, by the way, uh, involved in esports. And depending on the school, that might be the department where their varsity-level esport program resides. It's not my duty or prerogative to tell a school that they're doing it wrong, but rather to to help them once they've decided how they want to do it, to do it the best. Okay. And, and that's really cool considering that you know they're kind of there is no quote-unquote ncaa for esports which is a you know sort of a buzz phrase that we hear getting thrown around collegiate esports do you think that at some point there will have to be some sort of one umbrella organization that must exist to bring that sense of you know uh stability to collegiate esports that's certainly what i hope for Uh, so what we see right now you mentioned earlier uh, or alluded to it the wild wild west of Mm esports 
we, we have publishers in this space, and they're absolutely essential partners uh, because it is their product at the end of the day. Um, but because of that network, we have different collegiate organizations either directly um, owned by the publisher or uh, partnered with the publisher and not partnered with other publishers, which means you have a, a, a tremendous fracturing of the system to where the as you go from eSport to eSport, the structure that that team or that college is competing in is entirely different. Yeah. There is no sense really in scheduling. There's no sense in the rule sets um, and, and student eligibility. You know, what makes this student eligible? And, you know, I'll throw League of Legends as compared to this student in Overwatch, right? It's certainly, they can be absolutely different. Um, my belief is that if we're going to see collegiate-level esports arrive at any sort of level that's similar to what we see in varsity-level traditional athletics, and that's the big show, right? That's men's, right. Ma- uh, March Madness, that's yeah. the, the this, uh, March you know, Madness college sports, football man. championship, right? To get to that level, you have to have institutional buy-in. But the only way historically you've done that is through a membership association. Hmm. So the question is, how do you marry up these very different models of uh, a membership association where all the colleges are working together to build something newer, so bigger than they can do individually, with a group that owns the product? And there's a lot of different groups that own different products. But to work, you need all of them, That's right. right? Or, or at least most of them. Um, so that's the, that's my challenge. That's what I'm directed by our membership to answer every day. All right. So one thing I want to ask is what has been the largest barrier that you've seen for some universities or colleges to creating esports programs? We know that there's a lot of interest, but in your opinion or in your observations, what have been some barriers for some schools to why maybe they haven't uh, made that jump quite yet? Well, there's, it's a lot of reasons. It's not just one primary reason. Um, I, I will say some of the ones that carry a little bit more weight um, is we still run into kind of a, a stereotype wall with administrators, right? There's a perception of gaming, a perception of what it means to a potential student or an actual student on campus, and those perceptions are negative, right? This is going to poorly impact that student's grades. This is going to uh, disrupt their social learning. This is going to take away from their success as a student on our campus, right? And, and a lot of those stereotypes, by the way, are not true at all, right? No. There's a Enough independent not. studies out there to show uh, what does a gamer look like? We'll look into a crowd, and anyone you basically see is probably a gamer in one way or another. And are they all, you know, uh, social deviants? Are you know? No, the answer is they're normal people, yeah. right? Um, so, but that perception can be reality when we're talking about a handful of decision makers on campus. This is not the, the normal societal uh, consensus. This is the opinion of one to two people on. On campus can decide yes or no and and that's why we see a lot of um you know different esport programs starting in different departments right otherwise it'd all be under athletics because that department's built to facilitate intercollegiate competition right yes. that, that's what they do um so this is just doing that in a little bit different way but the reason we don't see that is because something happened at that institution where that athletic department whether it's the ad or the board of trustees or something happened they don't want to touch it because it'll always go to athletics first to see if they're interested always um when that doesn't happen that means that and now it's under student affairs or the school of engineering or the it that's the secondary option 
So if you see where a school is and, and where their esports program is housed, you can pretty accurately see what happened internally while they're planning. And so it does have a pretty drastic impact. That is perhaps the biggest issue we face when talking to an administrator is trying to overcome uh, those stereotypes. And then really, once we get past that, we can start showing the data. And the data is overwhelmingly in how powerful esports can be for a positive tool in society. And so when you're going into different universities and talking to administrators about esports programs or talking to clubs about esports programs, what sort of feedback are you getting to, you know, how esports is changing their campuses? You know, what are what are they saying about what's going on at a ground level for their campuses in terms of esports? So a lot of different ways. And it's kind of surprising how rapidly some of, of these benefits, right, have developed a lot faster than I would have predicted. Hmm. So, um, for example, in one of the ways I was surprised, academics. Um, so I'm not talking about like GPAs or something like that. I, I'm actually referring to new majors, minors, and certificate programs that schools are rolling out. Yes, based around their esports program it's not on you know their competitive team but it's based around all the industry components whether it be streaming video audio marketing. engineering marketing team management uh, the business of esports where you look at uh, financing you look at sponsorship sales you look at ticketing those are developing left and right and i am still shocked by how quickly that's coming to fruition. Um, in other ways, we see um, a lot of students, I mean, student clubs and esports has been around forever, but for most of them, they've had a lack of support, lack of resources, lack of recognition, um, all three of those. And having a varsity esports program all of a sudden serves as an anchor on campus for this diverse group of the student population already there. Mm. And we're seeing uh, the number of events schools are putting on revolving around gaming, right? Where Esports might just be a component of it. It might just be celebrating gaming are popping up left and right because now they have a direct road through their esports program to the administration. And and the administration, for the most part, they're not against it. They just don't know what to do, so they need help. Uh, And and this provides that conduit to really have conversations. Yeah. um, So, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, you have uh, League of Legends. They had their own kind of separate... they set for guidelines. They have the uh, collegiate league series, and they had their own set of rules, on set of guidelines. And they have uh, groups like TESPA, who run the over, uh, Varsity Overwatch League. Do you guys, um, you know, how does that separate from you guys? Or do you guys open to working together? Do you guys actually consult with each other? How does that work? Uh, well, actually, I was just off the right before this. I was talking to Tesla. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, oh, um, yeah, and I've actually got a meeting with Riot right after this. So, uh, <laughs> I am yeah, in the future. <laughs> we're, it's not a surprise. We're, mm-hmm. we're a nonprofit membership association. Our, our critical goal, or we have quite a few critical goals, but one is to grow the space. Mm-hmm. More schools, more varsity programs, more opportunities for students, and then to make that space um, secure in terms of the foundational elements so that schools are are um, uh, able to commit to this for the long term, as opposed to what in a lot of schools are, it's a pilot program, really. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a, this is not an official program meant to last decades. Right. Uh, so absolutely, we, we talk to any group who wants to be a positive player in the space and you for those two groups especially uh, well i'm sorry for riot with their rsaa and for blizzard with tespa mm-hmm. they're, they're publishers they, yes. they absolutely have a place at the table and my perspective is we have to work together mm. to achieve um 
our, our joint goals, which is grow the space. That's it at the end of the day. That drives everything. So there's a lot that we contribute to each other to make that possible. There's a lot more we hope to do in the future. Um, so, uh, well, you know, I would say that's generally true with everything else we do is we work through partnerships. Well, and that's always been a, a concern that we hear from a lot of our viewers and listeners is that when it comes to collegiate level, that not just a fragmentation of who runs what, but also they hear all these acronyms and these organizations that are getting thrown around and they're saying, who's, you know, who's talking to whom and how can all of this get centralized? But one thing that we are asking everybody out here at the Esports Business Summit is in one year, because we know in five years, all of this can be drastically different. But in one year, where do you see the future of esports? And in your case, specifically the collegiate level. Yeah. yeah. So for the next year out in collegiate esports, I actually think you're going to see um, a lot more development on the infrastructure side. Um, and a year out, I think you're going to see more events popping up. Um uh, certainly, right? And I think a lot of those events are going to be driven around traditional athletics. They're going to be tied into those. Um, so that's, that's going to happen. I, I think you're going to see some groups that popped up disappear too, right? Really? This is a rapidly evolving space. There's only been a few groups. I mean, we're three years old, but we're a veteran in this space. So that, that should give you, a, wow. give you an idea. Um, there's a lot of groups that are trying to enter, and you said the number of acronyms that are out there, right? A number of them have already disappeared. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that again. It's a consolidation of the space. Um, will we ever get to one unified organization across everything? That's the goal. I don't know if that's going to happen not in the short term especially right, of course um uh, but who knows what the long-term future holds right. but yeah i think it's it's already coming down to fewer and fewer groups um uh, which is a good thing because it goes back to that confusion question and so long as the industry is fragmented it, it diminishes what each group can do uh so that's that's a good thing at the end of the day overall for the industry um but uh, lastly, I, I would say you're, you're going to see more formalization of uh, what it means to be a varsity student as opposed to a club student. Uh, I think uh, we've gotten away a little bit mm-hmm. with like, oh, you get a scholarship, so that must mean varsity. Mm-hmm. That, that's a part. That's yeah. not the biggest part of that separates the difference. There's just been a lack of the tools to really characterize the, the eligibility issues coming forward and that's something that we're all talking about how do we really make sure that there's this club space that's meant for fun it's meant for engagement yes and this varsity which is very intentionally focused on competition being the best improving it mm-hmm. um while representing your school of course of and course. getting a college degree right? <laughs> it, those are important that's elements. A, that will be top of the list hopefully. yeah yeah the, my, my board i can hear them you know all reaching for their phones right now yeah. like, it's, kids are getting degrees michael and i absolutely i do absolutely that's agree right. so that's that is certainly true that's right michael brooks the executive director, boss man of NACE. Thank you so much for joining us here on Checkpoint XP, and we look forward to talking to you a lot more. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yep. Thank you. We got more coming from the Esports Business Summit in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand coming up. This is Checkpoint XP. Check out the latest esports and gaming news and opinions at CheckpointXP.com. This is Checkpoint XP, eSports and gaming radio, CheckpointXP.com.
Hey, welcome back to Checkpoint XP. We're out here at the Esports Business Summit in Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM Convention Center. Norris, yeah. I got to talk to you. We went last night to an event after things wrapped up, you know, day one. That's right. Called it a day. We got to go see a charity match. It was for, awesome. Uh, for Gamers Outreach. Awesome. Between Ghost Gaming and Reciprocity uh, in Gears, Gears of War 5. Gears 5. Now, this yes. is my first real look at Gears 5. I mean, I saw the E3 trailers and stuff like that, but my first time really seeing Gears 5 be played. I like it. You know what? Here's the thing, because a, a, a third-person cover-based shooter, to me, um, is weird conceptually. Can, well, not 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 conceptually in a competitive sense, but I in a competitive like is, sense, yeah. yeah, it can be a little bit difficult to follow because the third-person cameras do really wonky things when you move them fast, especially when you do like the snapping mechanics yeah. of, of cover-based. Yeah. yeah, so it, it can be a little bit jarring when you watch it for the first time. I think gears has sort of perfected its formula for so long and it's it's gotten so good at what it does that I think it presents the information fairly well and I think that it presents the gameplay fairly well. But I still think, man, third third, it, I was so nauseous kind of by the end of it. I think it's a good eSport, but it was so hard for me really to look at because it was like, when, when you got within five feet of someone, it, it was got this. It got chaos. It was a lot of jerkiness. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't have a problem really watching it, but it made me want to play it. Like, I don't know if it, it's a, an eSport that I would want to, like, spectate, but it, I think it's something I would want to play. You know what? I think that is what... That's like what most esports fall into. Well, it's it's like, the opposite of me. Do I most, watch it or yeah. do I play it? Right, and that's like most things that I watch. Like when I see like CS:GO, I don't want to play CS:GO, but I definitely like watching it. Yes. I don't want to play Rocket League, but I definitely like watching it. Yes. See, this I'm not one, opposite. I want to play Rocket League. Yeah. And watching it just makes me sad that you're not playing it. That I suck so bad mm. at it. But this one is one that I sat down and said, "Yeah, I, I, it might work as an esport. It might not. I'm not ready to, to levy that. You know." judgment upon mm-hmm. it they're like no this game cannot succeed no it, it might it might i don't know but i do know that i i think i want to pick it up and play it all right i mean just for me that means i'm buying the xbox which i'm not doing you can't get it on pc i'm not doing that why because i don't want to it's it's a shooter i don't care you, you should play it on pc i don't want to play it. keyboard yo i don't want to play it oh because i'm telling you listen I, I saw it and i like the art style i i i i <laughs> It's just the third person thing, man. At that speed, it just made it, it disoriented me a Did little bit. Did you prefer PUBG in first person or third person? First person always. Okay, so I would I prefer, never play PUBG in I third person. I prefer PUBG in third person. You are ridiculous. Sir. I, I like third person shooters. Third person in PUBG is objectively awful. No, it is awful. No, it was great. Why would you ever play PUBG in third person? Oh, I like it. It in is third person. kid gloves to the highest degree. That's why you like it because it's easy mode. It can't be kid gloves. What do you? It is. Every Everyone is playing in third corners. person, and everyone else can too. It doesn't matter. Everyone, yeah, if it was like if it was a single player, yes, third person would no, definitely be. No, it's so gloves. much easier to play that game in third person. For me, I, maybe. No. I, I mean, yes, it is easier, but for everybody. So I it, don't 
I don't exactly. think that actually makes so it easier. Everybody's on training wheels. Right, which if it's an equal playing field, it doesn't matter, though. No, but it just takes more skill to play that game in first person. Third person is kid gloves. You can stay in third person with all, right. all little babies and me and Nate and Robbie and all of our other fans. How many games have you won? Play? Two. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, so we've actually won the same. You've won two games of PUBG? Yes. I don't even know if I believe that. I've won two games of PUBG. Taking out mobile. Two. Okay. Yeah, you don't play PUBG Mobile, I don't do play you? PUBG Mobile. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right. Well, then you and I are the only ones who have won a game of PUBG. And I, listen, I don't I don't even play PUBG to win. I just play it to do something cool from time to time. It Man, it really is worth it just to flip a motorcycle, isn't it? It is. I know. You know, you drop school and then you, like, you take out a pistol and like hit three people. Like, I'm cool with that. But it's only cool in first person. It's not cool in third person. I don't know if I agree with that. It's not cool in third person. I'm sorry. Mm, all right, you can say that. I don't. I don't know if I agree. Anyway, Gears Five. Uh, so Ghost Gaming played against uh, Reciprocity last night. Uh, Reciprocity definitely getting the better of uh, Ghost Gaming, but it, I mean, at you the know end what? of the day, it was a charity event. Well, number one, That's it was a charity important. event, but we got to put a, a asterisk on this match because Do we? Ghost oh. Gaming did not, you know, for reasons, reasons, uh, whether it be you know flight information or. They couldn't get their entire team here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the coach was uh, subbing in for one of the players. And, and as we always say, those who cannot do teach. And those, and who, those cannot who cannot teach, teach analyze. analyze. Hi. That's analysts us. here. Yeah, that's us. That's us. But um, so you had a coach, you know, playing on the team. And you could tell that there was, I don't want to say communication issues, but there was a little bit of rust. And, you know, maybe some of the calls weren't as smooth as they could have been. And so reciprocity pretty much ran away with it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, it, uh, it's a charity event. Uh, That's right. Uh, in, uh, benefiting Gamers Outreach, uh, awesome uh, program that puts together uh, like the gaming medical carts. Actually, I think we're going to be talking to them at some point out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, gaming medical carts uh, that go to you know children's hospitals and make right. uh, kids who are going through some of the worst stuff you can imagine make their time a little bit more manageable, which is, of course, a wonderful cause that we definitely support. Uh, so uh, overall, uh, that was at the uh, HyperX Esports Arena. I almost said allied. That would not have been great. Yep. So, HyperX Esports you Arena. You can. That's for sure. Uh, so the HyperX Esports Arena, and again, uh, HyperX put... Uh you okay over there? Uh, I'm good. All right. Esports Arena puts on a great, great event. They really do. Did, I you mean, the, a, did you have a drink last night? One. Yeah? Yeah. What'd you get? The the blue one? No. I forgot what I got, but it was like Red Bull and like five different liquors. Yeah, that's what I got too. Red yeah. Bull and like five different liquors. It that was is, pretty pretty good. I, it was dangerous is what it was. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I can see how it was been deceptive. Is yeah. what it, what is, you, you could what easily order it. four and not realize that you're on your fourth one. Yeah, and also yeah. not realize you spent $8,000. Yeah, that too, I it's suppose. Vegas. It's, it's Vegas. Vegas. It's what you expect. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, Ghost Gaming uh, falls to reciprocity, uh, but a great event overall. Looking forward to seeing where Gears 5 goes uh, in the future. Uh, but we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on uh, Gears 5? Are you looking forward to it? Why, why is it? Why is it your favorite franchise, or is it not? Do you play third person or first person? There's only one right answer. Third person. First. Let us know. Follow us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, and Checkpoint underscore on Instagram. Guys, we'll be back with more at the Esports Business Summit. This is Checkpoint XP. Check out the latest esports and gaming news and opinions at CheckpointXP.com.
This is Checkpoint XP. Esports and gaming radio. CheckpointXP.com. Hey, welcome back to Checkpoint XP, your home for esports and gaming. Joining us now at the Esports Business Summit is Andy Maisner of TV Pro Gear. He's the president of the company. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So uh, for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about TV Pro Gear and what you guys do? Sure. Uh, TV Pro Gear provides crew and equipment for shooting gaming tournaments. We also do concerts. Uh, uh, conferences and normal sports like football and basketball. So obviously you've got a lot of experience both with the traditional sports scene and the esports scene. What does it take to put on an esports event? Well, we have systems that are optimized. I mean, t- typically we'll shoot with six uh, operator-controlled cameras and four to six lipstick cameras, which are fixed aimed at the players. And then the real tricky part is taking the output from uh, all the computers directly into the switcher so you can maintain the highest quality. Yeah, because obviously when you are dealing with eSports, you also have the added difficulty of having it sync up with the game itself. Can you speak to some of the unique challenges of covering an eSports event? You know, you just have to be fast on your feet because things change quickly, and you have to have the right equipment. So there's a lot of effects and layers. So our system will have typically what are eight things that are called mix effects layers so each each mix effects bank allows you to layer one object on another and so you can have real complex layouts Mm -hmm. and also we have instant replay and slow motion in the systems too so uh you know the esports scene is one that uh has been around for a while but really over the last five ten years has begun to just grow and explode what has been your impression of you know this thing we call esports these days well you can see how old i am so I started out with Pong and Donkey Kong, and, and then I had to invent the Internet so we could stream it. <laughs> so yeah, it's safe to say things have come a, come a way since yeah. uh, you had uh, your introduction to gaming. Yeah. Actually, kind of funny, the f- first eSports event we shot was a Wii bowling tournament. Oh, really? For senior citizens hosted by Bob Barker. And we shot from five cities simultaneously and streamed to the Internet. This was maybe seven years ago. That's fascinating. I I would love to hear more about what that production was like. A a Wii bowling tournament for senior citizens hosted by Bob Barker. By the way, childhood idol of mine, Bob Barker. Oh, yeah. Uh, What was it like putting that event together? Uh, It was kind of a logistics nightmare. And I'll bet. The bandwidth was, you know, you were really fighting for bandwidth. So to maintain the quality level that we wanted to have was very difficult, but we pulled it off. So, I mean, you talk about that, uh, about the quality level. Obviously, one of the most important things in a broadcast is the quality level. You know, you know, not, not right. forgetting not to hit record, things like that, uh, that I'm struggling with these days, it seems like. Uh-huh. Can you talk to me about what it takes to provide that level of quality that the, 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 the viewers can, uh, should be able to expect from an esports event? Well, if you're working at the top level, they do expect the highest uh, quality imagery. So something a lot of people don't know is these very inexpensive cameras in, lo- in, in difficult lighting situations tend to have graininess. Mm-hmm. And graininess is the enemy of compression for streaming an image. So the less grainy the image, the better image will be uh, streamed at any given bit rate. Right. And so we use very expensive cameras, uh, 
they have a very large uh, sensor. Like so, for example, a consumer camera might have a sensor that's a third of an inch, whereas ours are uh, what's called Super 35. They're about an inch and a half, and that means they can shoot in much lower light and handle much more contrasty situations. So you have to have that. You have to have a large switcher with lots of ability to layer. Those are the kind of the key things. And, of course, you're nowhere if you don't have really highly experienced engineering and camera operators. So, I mean, we've been trying to ask every, everyone this. Uh, you know, uh, from the first eSports Business Summit last year to this year, there's been obviously a lot of growth. And just, you know, maybe from the production side of things, uh, where do you see this all going over the next year? I think in terms of video streaming, we're in kind of a stable area, and even the equipment has evolved to meet present needs. But the real game changer, of course, is 5G. Oh, yeah. Uh, 5G uh, will... I've, I personally believe that 5G will be the equivalent of what HD was to, to cable television. I feel like 5G is going to be that level of an impact. Is, is that in line with what you're thinking? Maybe even more. So um, when broadband came in, or high-speed internet, it, it was an enabling technology that allowed new things to be created that we couldn't even imagine at the time. Um, well, things like... Um, Streaming video. Exactly. And video game tournaments. So there's still uh, issues of latency, uh, you know, delay between when you send out a signal and it gets to the viewer. Right. And that affects interactivity if you want to have more people participating simultaneously and stay in sync. So the 5G technology should be the final cure to let the latency issue. So you really are going to see a more faster action and like I said, I think there's things that I can't imagine that will result out of this new technology. And things we really, none of us can imagine exactly. yet. Exactly. exactly. It's exactly. going to bring a whole new era of innovation. Uh-huh. It will. Andy Maisner, uh, TV Pro Gear President, has been our guest here today. Andy, thank you so much for thank your time. You. Thank you for having me on. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Andy Meisner, president of TV Pro Gear, as well as Michael Brooks, executive director for NACE, for being our guest here today. If you want to check out all of the coverage from the Esports Business Summit, make sure you check it out over at our website, CheckpointXP.com. Thanks so much for joining us for the Checkpoint XP podcast. CheckpointXP.com is where you can find out more info about the show, interviews from past episodes, and everything out at the che- uh, and everything out at the Esports Business Summit, and so much more. That's all over at CheckpointXP.com. Stay up to date on all the latest by following us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, that's Checkpoint XP as well as Checkpoint underscore XP on Instagram. And if you like the show, consider dropping by our Apple Podcast feed and giving us a rating and review please we need a new one to read on the show checkpoint xp is a production of beasley esports xp our theme is provided by the band weird at last for the checkpoint xp crew robbie landis norris howard and joe sloan my name's a bender my name's a bender keep listening you've been listening to the checkpoint xp podcast make sure you subscribe to itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts also tune into our weekly radio show for more information and the latest on esports and gaming go to checkpointxp.com